I'm Tony Damien. And I'm Andrew Rich. And welcome to the latest episode of Himalayan Bites. And today we are talking reverse break fees, Tony. We are indeed, Andrew. So everyone knows what a break fee is. That's a fee payable by a target to a bidder, usually triggered by the target's board, changing its recommendation because a rival bidder has come along. Now, a reverse break fee, as the name might suggest, is a fee payable by the bidder to the target. So the other way around, sometimes the uh, the reason offered by a target for wanting a reverse break fee is, well, you've got a break fee, I want one as well. But Andrew, it's a little more nuanced than that. It certainly is, Tony. I think we should perhaps start talking about what are the triggers? When would a reverse break fee be payable? Now, the most common triggers are failure by the bidder to get a regulatory approval, material breach, by the bidder of the scheme implementation deed, but there's no reason to limit it at that. It really does depend upon the specific requirements of the transaction. And Andrew, um, size of the reverse break fee, we all know with a break fee, uh, 1%, the panel's been saying that for probably a couple of decades now. Talk, talk me through reverse break fee quantum. The quantum of the reverse break fee is not regulated by the takeovers panel. As you mentioned, for the break fees payable by targets, the panel says it should generally be no more than 1%. There is no such rule in the case of reverse break fees. In the same way that your glass is fuller than mine, they don't have to be the same, but they typically are. Interestingly though, in the US, uh, you see break fees and reverse break fees between two and 6%. We don't see that happening very often at all in Australia, but it is open to the parties depending on the circumstances of the particular deal, Tony. It's a, it's a good point. And so uh, you're absolutely right. Sometimes uh, the reverse break fee is bigger than the target's break fee. Uh, Newmont Newcrest, an example of that. And indeed, sometimes it's the other way around. So the reverse break fee can be smaller than the target's break fee. And bingo, mirror would be an example of that style of deal. Also think they can be used quite uh, quite tactically. A situation we were talking about the other day was in Certex. Yes. In Certex, we had a foreign bidder coming in very, very late in the piece. The bidder needed um, a number of foreign regulatory approvals. And I think, Andrew, from memory, it was around a 10% reverse break fee with the money paid into escrow. It certainly was. And that was necessary in that case because the bid that was on the table was about to be voted on uh, hours away by the target shareholders. But the bid that came in from a, a Chinese bidder uh, was at a 20% premium to the then existing price, and it was a cash bid. So it needed to be taken seriously by the target board. Uh, and in order to make up for the fact that it had come in so late and subject to regulatory approvals, a reverse break fee was entirely appropriate in that case. Yeah, and a very interesting way of using a reverse break fee to, to push your cause in that case, because turning up and just saying, here we are, is one thing. Turning up saying, here we are, here's a 10% break fee, and we'll put the money into a bank account is entirely a different thing. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today on Himalayan Bites. In the next episode, we have Daniel Moran, General Counsel of the ASX, coming in to join us. That will be a great episode. Don't miss it.